was, I read the 16th chapter of Matthew, and um, the Lord just quickened these verses to me again. So, when that happens, I, I, my lightning fast mind kindly just gets the idea, maybe since I read those last week and they, the Spirit of God quickened them to me again, that he may want me to minister on those verses. So I begin to focus in on that. And uh, so I uh, prepared a message to, for you all this morning. And I'm going to do my best to teach, preach, whatever. Amen. Uh, somebody said, what's the difference between teaching and preaching? I've heard a couple of different things, you know. Uh, one, one definition or explanation was that preaching is proclaiming the Word of God. Teaching is explaining the Word of God. So I try to do a little bit of both. Another explanation that I liked that I heard one time on the difference between teaching and preaching is one guy said, teachers, uh, teachers tell it and preachers yell it. So um, I... <laughs> I do, I do a little bit of that as well. Praise God. So hopefully we'll share something with you today that will be a blessing to you. So in, in Matthew 16, Matthew 16, beginning with the 13th verse, says this, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, <clears throat> he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. And by the way, this question, whom do you say that I am, that Jesus asked to these 12 that day, is a question that's being asked today to everybody. Amen. This is a question not only to these 12, but it's a question to all. And everything, everything, the most important question right here is what Jesus asked, whom do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? And everything hangs on the answer to that question and a correct answer to that question. Because if men don't know who Jesus Christ is, if people do not know who Jesus Christ is, and they have a lot of thoughts and ideas about who Jesus is, just like the, 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 um, the answers that the disciples gave. Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some think you're Jeremiah. Some think you're one of the Old Testament prophets. Some think you're Elijah um, and all of that. But nobody really... That, you know what that tells us? That tells us that in Jesus' earthly ministry there, in Israel that there wasn't very many people who actually knew or believed that he was the Messiah. In spite of all the miracles and everything that he did, there was still the, the majority of the people didn't really know who he was. And do you know what? It's the same way today. The majority of all the billions of people on the earth today, seven and a half billion people, I believe, and there's very few that actually know the answer to this question of who Jesus is. They may think they know, they may have an idea or an opinion about who he is, but do they really know who Jesus is? Amen, because if men don't know, if women don't know, if people don't know who he is, they cannot be saved unless they know who he is. Now, that, all right, where was I at? Who do men say that I am? And he said unto them, but whom, when they gave him the answer, some say John the Baptist, Elias, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered. And Simon Peter was always saying things. And many times Simon Peter was saying the wrong thing. And many times Simon Peter opened his mouth and inserted foot. And I know nobody's ever done that except me. But, uh, but Simon Peter got it right this time. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. 
He didn't get this from anybody else, but God in heaven revealed, the Father revealed to Simon Peter the true Jesus and who Jesus was. Verse 18, notice this. This is some good stuff. And I say to you, Jesus speaking, and he says, And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me read that verse again. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys, not just to Peter, not just to his disciples, not just to his apostles, but he's talking about the church here. And he says, I will give unto thee and to the church the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man who he wa- that he was Jesus the Christ or the anointed one or the Messiah. I want to talk to you this morning this, for, for a little bit about the church triumphant or the triumphant church. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads with me today for prayer? Father, thank you so much for the Spirit of the Lord that is here today, for the moving of the Holy Spirit that we have already experienced in this service. We thank you so very much for what you are doing in our hearts and lives. I'm asking for your anointing today that you will help me as I minister your word, what you've laid upon my heart to this congregation. I pray you will open our hearts today to hear, to receive what you, the Spirit of God, is speaking and saying to your church. And I give you praise and glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said a great big amen. Let me tell you something today. The greatest organization on the face of the earth is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know the world doesn't agree with that. There are a lot of people that would give a lot of different answers to that and say there are greater organizations than that. But I want to say it again, the greatest organization and organism, because the church is alive, a living, a living thing, is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it is it's a foolish thing to me today for anyone to talk about how much they love Jesus and not love what Jesus loves. And can I tell you that Jesus loves the church. Jesus gave his life for the church to purchase the church. And the church, and we speak of the church, and we'll be talking about what the church is here in a little bit, but the church was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. To say that we love Jesus but don't love the church and don't, and I know there's a lot of people today that never attend a church service, but yet they say, well, I love Jesus, but that's not, that's just not possible because if you really love Jesus, you'll love what he loves. And the Bible says that he loved the church and gave himself for the church that he might cleanse the church and wash the church with the washing of the water of his word and and make that church to be a church that will be presented before the Father as a glorious church without a spot or without a wrinkle or without a blemish or any such thing. And every now and then, you know, we hear people talk about how the church is on its way out and that the church has had her day and that the church 
church in these last days is nothing more than a shabby beggar on some forgotten corner. And there's so much that's said today about what's wrong with the church. But can I tell you today that there is much that is right with the church. And I'll be the first to admit that the church, the church at this point in time, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not perfect yet, but we are as a church, as a body of believers, are being perfected. Can I get an amen? We are in that process and uh, of being perfected. And, you know, right now, uh, right now, there's no perfect church. People go from here and yonder, and they go to this church and that church and this church and that church looking for the perfect church. And can I tell you, there is no perfect church because God is building the church. The Lord Jesus is building the church with imperfect material. Amen. But one of these days, praise God, the church is going to be perfected. I do believe that. But there are those that say the church is on its way out. Well, you know what? I guess I can agree with that because the church, I believe, is on her way out because Jesus Christ has called the church out of this world and Jesus Christ has sent the church out into this world. And one of these days, and I believe it's going to be very, very soon, that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to take the the church out of this world by the rapture that is going to take place very soon. Yeah, thank God today we are on our way out. We are on our way up to be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. How many believe that today? How many are looking for the soon coming of the Lord, for the coming of the Lord to take his church to be with him in the clouds of glory? Right now, right now, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church, the true blood-bought church of the Lord Jesus Christ that is in this earth is right now triumphant. And I didn't say that one day it shall be triumphant. Someday it shall be perfected and shall be perfect and shall be that bride that stands before her groom in perfect righteousness and holiness. But right now in this very day, and hour that we're living, the church, the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a triumphant church, a victorious church, an overcoming church. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, I want you to get this, that the church that is bought by Jesus' blood is a triumphant, victorious, overcoming, hell-defeating, devil-devil busting church. Can I get an amen here today at Abundant Life Church? Amen? There are some things that we need to know about the church that I believe that Jesus reveals here in this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 16. This is a familiar verse of Scripture and the Bible tells us here, Jesus tells us here, gives us four things, if I can touch on them quickly this morning, about the church. And as I said, there are some, there's there's a lot more right with the church than there is wrong with the church. And the church has some, has some issues and some problems, but we want to dwell upon what Jesus says about the true church. And he gives four things here in this passage. He talks about the foundation foundation of the church. He talks about the formation of the church. He talks about the faith of the church. And he talks about the future of the church. Those are four things that are revealed in this passage of Scripture. And the very first thing that he mentions here in this passage is the, the foundation of the church. And I want to tell you today that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is on a good foundation, a firm foundation, a right foundation. Are you hearing me today? Because the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is built upon the rock, upon a rock or upon a foundation stone. That is what Jesus said to Peter in verse number 18, that he said to Peter, you are 
Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church. Upon this rock will I build my church. Now there has to be some clarification made here as to what Jesus is referring to and what the rock or who the rock is that the church is built upon or founded upon. So I want to pose that question to y'all this morning. Who is the rock that Jesus is referring to that is the foundation of the church? Amen. How many knows? You raise your hand. A few of you know. Well, let me tell you then. The, the rock that Jesus is referring to here as being the church's foundation, let me say it this way first, is not Peter. The foundation of the church is not Peter. The Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church teaches that the rock that Jesus is referring to is Peter because the name Peter means rock. But it, and it does, but the Greek, the Greek word that is used here when Jesus said you are Peter. And by the way, Jesus is changing the name of Peter here, giving him a new name. His name was Simon. He was referred to as Simon, which means a reed, something that is shakable. And now Jesus is changing his name because of a proper confession that he made upon who Jesus was. And he said, you are now Peter, are Petros. Petros is the, is, the, is the Greek word that is used there. And Petros means a fragment of a rock or a little rock or a little stone. And he was saying to Peter, you are Petros. You are a piece of the rock. Now remember the old insurance commercials, get a piece of the rock. Well, I can tell you today, I don't have that particular insurance, but I do have a piece of the rock today and I've got Jesus Christ. I'm built on him and he's get made me, hallelujah, part of his family and a part of his church today. But Jesus refers to Peter as a as Petros, Petros, a small rock. But then Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And he uses a complete different Greek word when he says upon this rock, he's referring to himself because he uses the Greek word Petra. Petra is different than Petros because Petra means an immovable mass of rock. It's a massive rock. It's a bedrock. And so it's an unmovable rock. And what Jesus is saying here is that upon this massive bedrock, this Gibraltar, so to speak, I will build my church. Jesus is making it clear that Peter is a little rock and that the church not the town in Arkansas, okay? He's a, he's a small stone, a small rock, a little rock, but the church is not being built on a small little rock or on an individual. But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The church, the true church, the church universal and every local church that is a part of that universal true church is built upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the solid rock. The church is not built upon the Pope or an ancestral priesthood or, or, or anything like that, but the church is built upon Jesus. Thank God that the church is not built upon a preacher. The church is not built upon a pastor. The church is not built upon a bishop or upon any man or upon any individual but the church is built upon and founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ upon this Petra upon this immovable rock on this firm foundation I will build my church hallelujah and that is where the church is built today we are on a firm solid foundation can I get an amen? Come on, praise him. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Peter clearly understood what Jesus was talking about because he made reference to it over in his uh, teaching in first, uh, first Peter chapter number 2. Let me just read real quickly to you. 
what he said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4. Jesus, or Peter said this. I'm in chapter 1. All right, chapter 2. To whom coming, talking about Jesus. 1 Peter 2 and 4. To whom coming as into a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You also, talking to the church, as lively stones. How many lively stones? We need some lively living stones. But to you as lively or living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice as acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also... It is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he that believes on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Peter is talking about Jesus being that chief cornerstone, and he calls him that there in verse 6, that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And he calls Christians living stones or lively stones. Peter knew that Christ was the foundation of the church, and there was never a place that Peter ever, ever, ever referred to himself as being the foundation of the church. Peter knew that Jesus was the chief cornerstone. Peter knew that the rest of us and that that the rest, every believer that is a part of that church are living stones that that are brought in to build up. We are little rocks again. We are little stones built upon that foundation stone. And Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay. Let me say it again. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is is laid which is Jesus Christ he must be the object of our faith he must be the object of our preaching he must be the foundation on which the church is founded upon and which the church is built upon he is the living sure foundation of this church and of every true church that foundation is none other that rock is none other than Jesus Christ someone told me some years ago said that that abundant life may the statement that Abundant Life Church was built on Southern Gospel music. I said, I love Southern Gospel music, but no, you're wrong. This church is not built on any style of music. This church is built upon the rock, the foundation of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah, that must be the foundation of the church. Can I get an amen today? That is the foundation of the church. But then Jesus talks to Peter about the formation of the church or the building of the church. And he said, upon this rock, upon this foundation, I will, these are the words of Jesus, I will build my church. You know what? I'm so glad that Jesus didn't say, Ricky, you build my church. You know, there's some preachers and pastors have the idea that that's what Jesus said to them. You build my church. But that's not what he said. And I'm also glad that Jesus didn't say, Ricky, I will build you a church. And there's a lot of preachers and pastors that think that's what the Lord has said to them. I'm going to build you a church. You ever heard people refer? And I know people say this not thinking, but they say, where, where do you go to church? Well, I go to Brother Rick's church. It's not Brother Rick's church. Oh, it's quiet in there. This is not a Presbyterian church this morning, is it? Amen? But it's not Brother Rick's church. It's not my church. It's not 
the Pentecostal church of God's church. Can, can somebody witness for me today? Amen. But this church, he said, upon this rock, Jesus said, I will build my church. See, ladies and gentlemen, I think we know this, but flesh and blood, individuals, men can never build a church, the, the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He uses us. Jesus uses us. There was, there was men and labor and, 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 and contractors and, and carpenters and everything that were used in the building of this church facility. But can I tell you, this building that you're sitting in today is not the church. Men built this building, but men cannot and do not build the church. Only Jesus can build the church. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. Flesh and blood can never and will not and cannot build the church. Men can build buildings. Men can build organizations. Men can build denominations. But the church is not something that is built by man. It's not a material building. It's not a physical building. And billions of dollars are spent annually building church buildings. And you know what? A church building can be wiped away in a second of time during a storm or a tornado or an earthquake or a fire and the building can be gone. Hallelujah. But I'm here to tell you today that if the building's gone, the church is still alive. I said the church is still alive because Jesus Christ is building his church upon the rock, upon himself. Amen. Hallelujah. The word, the word church in the Greek is the word ekklesia. It's a, it's a, it, and I know that doesn't mean a lot to anybody, to most of you, but the word ekklesia, the word that Jesus used here when he said, I will build my church, means, that word means an assembly of called out people. An assembly of called out people. It's, it's, it means to call people out. The word church simply means when we talk about the church, it means people. The church is a group or an assembly of people that have been called out of the world. Oh, hallelujah. The church is, we are those living stones that are the people of God who have been called out. And that's what the church is made up of, are those that God has called out of the world, has called out of sin. And if you go on and read in that, in that second chapter of 1 Peter, Peter talked about those. He said, you who were not a people at one time, but now are you the people of God. They had been called out of the world and sin and out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. There are some who have their names on church rolls. There are many, let me put it this way, there are many today in the world that have their name on a church roll or have been born into a church or have been baptized into a church or are confirmed into a church, amen, through some kind of a ceremony that do not have their names upon the right roll which is the Lamb's book of life. Come on, amen. There are, there, there are people that are, that are, that are not, uh, that are not members of the true church, but may be members of a church that is an organization. They are still in the world. They have, they are still of the world. They have never truly been saved and never truly been born again. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, the formation of this church is not done by man. It's not done by, by methods. It's not done by, by the modern church growth machinery that's out there today. But the way that this church grows or any true church grows is only God. Listen to me. Only God adds people to the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Not Rick Hensley. Not any other pastor. Not any denomination. Not any bishop. Not anybody else. But he said, I will build my church. 
People are called out of this world into the body of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, drawn by the Holy Spirit, convicted by the Holy Spirit, and brought into the church. The Bible said in the book of Acts, the second chapter, that after Pentecost and the 3,000 were saved on the day of Pentecost and added to the church, that the Lord added to the church daily such as would be saved, those who were being saved. The Lord added them to the church. And that's what Jesus said, that I will build my church. See, ladies and gentlemen, he, the Lord Jesus, is calling out building blocks and stones for a spiritual building called the church for the formation of the body of Christ. Amen. I mentioned to you a while ago that 18 years ago, in August, this past August, 18 years ago, there was 18 people that got together and, and started this fellowship of Abundant Life Family Church. But you know who brought those people together? The Holy Ghost did. The Holy Spirit formed that. The Holy Spirit birthed that. And for the last 18 years, the Holy Spirit has been drawing and bringing up bringing in some lively stones. Again, I want you to be a living stone, a lively stone, not a dead rock. But the Holy Spirit has been building this church. And if this church is continuing, does continue to grow and flourish and increase, it will be because the Lord adds to it. You have your part to play. I have my part to play. We've got our place in the body of Christ for the Lord to use us to witness and to invite and to share our testimony with others. But the bottom line is the Holy Ghost has to convict, the Holy Ghost has to draw, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ who adds to the church. Right? That's what Jesus said. That's the formation of the church. The church is formed by, and people come into the church by a proper faith. So what is the faith of the church? There's only one. I said there's only one. One true faith. And Jesus says, and I got to hurry. Jesus says, when he asked them that question of whom do men say that I am, and they, they gave him all of these different answers of who people thought he was, Elijah, John, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Jesus was, was, was wanting to see if they understood the true faith of the church, and many do not. Many do not have the right answer to that question on what it takes to be a part of the true church, what it takes to be to be one of those lively stones. But he did receive the right answer. Jesus did in verse number 16 from Simon Peter. And the Bible said that when he asked that question, Simon Peter, when they gave all these other answers of who Jesus was, Simon Peter answered and said, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the confession of faith upon which every true church is built. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Son of the living God. Are you with me? Amen? See, when he says the Son of the living God, that speaks of his deity. And, and it tells us that Jesus Christ is in a category all by himself. Jesus is the unique Son of God. He's not the best of all the sons of God. He is the only begotten Son of God. Some of the modern translations tend to take that out of some of the verses, you know, that he's the only begotten. God, you know, some of the translations will translate John. John 3, 16, this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. They leave a very important word out of there, ladies and gentlemen, that he was the only begotten son of God. Can I get an amen? He is not just a Christ. And that word Christ means the anointed one. He is not a Christ or an anointed one. He is the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. This is the faith of the church. 
And this is how you get into the church. This is how I get into the church. This is the only way that we can get into the church is by a profession, a public profession, accepting of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as our Lord and Savior. That's the only way we can be in the church. We're not sprinkled into it. We're not washed into it. We're not confirmed into it. There has to be an actual confession of Christ as your Lord and your Savior, a repenting and a turning away from sin and accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. That's the only way that you can get into the church or anybody else can get into the church. Peter says it. He confessed it openly, publicly, and unashamedly. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was not ashamed. He was not afraid to confess what he knew about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the reason we give a public invitation. This is the reason we give an altar call and ask people to come forward and pray a prayer to accept Jesus and to confess him as Lord before everybody. Is anybody still here? Uh-huh. I know there's a, there's a move today to just lift a hand, sign a card, pray a prayer at your seat. That's all fine. Can somebody be saved praying a prayer at their seat? Yeah. But there has to be a public profession before the world that they have accepted Jesus and made him Lord of their life. Jesus said, Jesus himself said, that if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. But he said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. See, we cannot be ashamed of him. Romans 10, Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us how to be saved. That if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. See, just walking down an aisle doesn't save anybody. Joining a church doesn't save anybody. Shaking the pastor's hand doesn't save anybody. But what it does indicate, it does indicate that that you're not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ to confess him as your Lord and Savior. And this confession of Christ as Savior and Lord brings about a supernatural change in an individual's life. If they make that profession and it wasn't from their heart, there will be no change that takes place. But that anybody that will confess Jesus as their Lord will believe in their heart that he died on that cross, will believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead and confess him as Lord and Savior, will be saved and born again and changed and turned around by the mighty power of Almighty God. That's what it takes to be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, a supernatural change. Amen? Let me close this out. I could go on about that, you know. Gosh, we all know. We should all know that, right? Just because a person goes to church. Well, you know, you ask people, are you you a Christian? Well, I go to church. Well, so does my car. It's not in the. It's not saved, huh? Going to church doesn't save anybody. There's a lot of people that have bought into that and believe that that it does, but it does not. Rather than a sheepfold today, the church has become a zoo where everybody gets in and nobody gets out. You know, you're confirmed into the church, and so you're you're always you're always. Right, no matter what you do or how you live. You know, I've known of individuals that as children were confirmed into a certain church and their lifestyle was so ungodly as they got older and they drank and they cussed and they did everything else. They, had, they, they, they lived just like the world. 
But yet at their funeral, the preacher got up and preached them into heaven because they went back to something that happened to them. When they were a child, they were, they were sprinkled or they were confirmed, and so they're automatically in heaven. That is not, ladies and gentlemen, do we understand this? I'm trying to tell you what Jesus said. That is not, that is not true. That is not right. Every person must have a, a, their own personal experience and relationship with Jesus Christ to be placed in the that church into that body of Christ and when that happens there's a transformation that takes place come on amen you're, you're, you're not a tadpole see listen 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 salvation is not by evolution you're not a tadpole that will eventually uh, uh, evolve into a Christian no you know what it is a Christian is a, fro- is a frog that was turned into a prince by the kiss of grace and by the blood of Jesus there's a transformation and a change that takes place in your life amen Dave Feaser's been in this church for 17 years 16 I remember the morning he got saved amen he was raised in a church that, that, that taught what I've just told you about. But when he came to Abundant Life that Sunday morning, he realized the Holy Ghost showed him that he had to have a change in his life. And he got born again on that Sunday. Praise God, he's got, his life was changed. And he's been a part of this church for the last 16 years, living for Jesus. Come on, amen. Hallelujah, that's being a part of the true, the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I got I got to close. Bear with me. I know. I'm hoping. I'm believing. I'm believing most of you's coming back tonight. But some of you's not. So I'm going to finish this. We've talked about the the foundation of the church, the formation of the church, the faith of the church, the true faith of the church. But then Jesus mentioned the future of the church. And he said, upon this rock I will build my church. And here it is. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say this. I want you to get it. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ cannot and will not fail. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a triumphant church. People talk about how dark things are getting in the church these days. And yes, there's going to be persecution for the church in these last days. And I believe that the persecution against the church is going to get stronger as the days get darker. Even here in America, I believe we'll see some persecution if the Lord tarries very long that we'll see some persecution in the church. But the church has always, the church of Christ, Jesus, the Lord Jesus, has always done well and flourished in times of persecution. There will be persecution in these last days. There will be attacks of Satan and of all of his minions against the church. He has always tried to destroy the church, and he always will try to destroy the church. But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is, according to Jesus, a glorious church, an overcoming, victorious church. The church of the Lord Jesus is not, the true church is not a weak, emaciated, defeated church. And when Jesus gave this statement in Matthew chapter 16 about the future of the church, things were looking pretty dark outwardly for him. His ministry at that particular time was at its lowest ebb. The crowds were not not coming like they wanted time were at the beginning of his ministry they had begun to leave him public opinion was turned against Jesus around the corner was going to be his betrayal and his crucifixion it was a dark hour in their lives and at this very moment when Jesus said I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it see listen to me we must not focus on outward circumstances but we must always remember the promise that he made here that no no matter how dark it gets in this world or how Satan roars against the church or what kind of attacks or persecution we may 
faith. We've got to anchor our faith in what Jesus said that we're on the rock, we're founded on him, that the gates of hell, the powers of darkness, the works of the devil will in no way be able to prevail or be victorious against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. The future of the church is bright as the promise of God states that it is. We are and we must believe that we're a victorious, conquering, overcoming church. There's no question about it. No question. Satan is out to destroy us. He is the thief. What's the thief do? Jesus said, John 10, 10. He's come to do what? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's always been his agenda, and it's still his agenda in 2021. But even though he is out to destroy us, Jesus said, oh, hallelujah. Jesus said that those gates of hell speaking of and representing the powers of darkness, the power of sin, the powers of demon spirits shall not prevail or be victorious or be able to overcome his church that's founded on the rock, Jesus Christ. Go ahead and give the Lord praise. What's he saying there? He's saying that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. What's he saying? He's saying greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's saying it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He's saying I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. See, God identifies his people as winners, ladies and gentlemen. God identifies his people as overcomers and the ones that are going to get the rewards in the, in the book of Revelation and those seven churches, the rewards always came to who? Jesus said to them that what? Overcome. There's a lot of churches that are not overcoming but they're not founded on the rock and they're not believing the word. There is victory for the one that, that overcomes for the church that overcomes. Amen? God identifies us as being victorious. These verses and many others paint the picture of a Holy Ghost filled fire baptized church marching in victory treading down anything that stands in its way. Let me tell you something Abundant Life Family Church. We are not just survivors trying to hold on till Jesus comes. We are not just a few weak, discouraged defeated individuals trying to keep our heads above water just treading water until we die or until the rapture takes place but I'm talking about a church that Jesus bled for a church that Jesus died on the cross for a church that Jesus gave victory and power to obliterate the kingdom of Satan and the works of darkness and the gates of hell cannot hold this church in bondage he is giving us victory Jesus has given us victory Amen. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Listen, this is the future of the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Worship team, you can make your way back. See, when the church is walking in holiness, covered by the blood of Jesus, baptized in the Holy Ghost, she is the greatest force on the face of the earth. Do you believe that? Enemies of the church have tried to burn it out, flood it out, beat it out, kill it out, but the blood-washed church of Jesus is still alive. And still, as Brother Rod Vincent says, we keep marching. Woo! Hallelujah. I don't know. I'm just shouting by myself. That blood-washed church is still marching and still shaking the gates of hell. Hallelujah. We were created to exercise power and authority over the enemy. We were given the, 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 the commission to cast out devils, to deliver the abound and the oppressed, and to set the captives free. 
And that's what Jesus said there when he said, I give unto you the keys, not just to Peter, not just to those apostles, but to the church. He said, I give you the keys. Those keys represent authority. And he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he's given the church the authority to bind Satan, to bind the hands of the enemy, to bind the works of the enemy in our life and in our families and our churches. And the power and the keys to open and to loose the power of God in people's lives. To set them free and deliver them from the powers of sin and darkness. And that's what we're doing as we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I came to preach deliverance to the captives. Amen. What's he saying? To loose, to open the prison door. I came to preach. Jesus didn't even say there that he came to deliver the captives, but he said, I've come to preach deliverance to the captives. And that's the same message that he's given us. That when he came, according to Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2, that Jesus came to open the prison to them that are bound. And that's what I'm preaching to you today, ladies and gentlemen. Hallelujah, Jesus paid that price at the cross to lose you from the bonds of sin, to lose you from the powers of darkness, to lose you from the hold of this world, to lose you from the world, the flesh, and the devil. We must lose the power of God through the preaching of the gospel, through the name of Jesus, through the power of the blood, to lose the power of God into the lives of those who are bound, that they be set free. Come on, that they be set free. Whatever you bind on earth, be bound in heaven. That you loose on earth. I'm going to read a scripture in closing. From Isaiah 60. See, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we're living in dark days. It is dark. Spiritually speaking in this world. It's getting darker every day. But you know what? It doesn't matter how dark or how evil these days are. It's the church's time to shine. It's our time to stand up, speak up for righteousness, and be the church, and be the salt, and be the light, and make a change in a darkened world. Listen to Isaiah chapter 60. I think we've got a picture hanging in our foyer that the district bought us when we built this church that has this verse on it. Isaiah 60 and 1, verse 1 and 2, he said, Arise, shine, for your light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people but the Lord I love those three words but the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you glory to God church that's what we need